So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. All right, partner, week six, it's time for the next chapter of this NFL regular season for the Ravens, and it looks a little different this time around. They're traveling across the pond, as we've discussed, for an October 15th Sunday matchup with the Tennessee Titans. So, for the Titans' perspective, we're pleased to bring in today's featured guest, and that is Paul Kuharski. And Paul, you're getting ready to make the trip over there in the next 24 hours or so, but we always like to begin with something that we just don't have a great pulse for, right? And that is the state of the Titans through five weeks. So keep us up to date. What's going on? They're a pretty good mess through uh, five games. Two and three, uh, two wins at home, where they actually look like a somewhat effective football team. Beat the Chargers uh, and put up 27 points, which is uh, world record territory for them. Pasted the the Bengals um, in a dominant effort. But three road games, they've been terrible. They've scored one touchdown, got destroyed, ugly, ugly 16-15 loss in New Orleans on opening day. Um, A really bad road trip to Cleveland where they – did nothing, barely moved the ball 94 yards, and uh, just lost to the Colts in their first division game. Uh, just messy to uh, give up a big run day to a backup running back in Zach Moss, and which they don't do. The one thing they really do well is stop the run, and lost to a backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew after they knocked out Anthony Richardson. So, um, Really having a hard time. I know they qualify as the home team in London, but I think Mike Vrabel's going to have a hard time convincing them uh, that Tottenham is uh, Nissan Stadium, whether he's having tea breaks and speaking with an accent or whatever he's doing this week. Well, we're, these two teams sound very similar, you know, giving games away, not playing up to potential, stuff like that. But I saw that you you had retweeted a story on, on your website a few times about uh, an identity crisis with, with the Titans. Can you dive into that a little bit? Well, this team has been, you know, so keyed around Derrick Henry for such a long time. And, um, you know, when they rely on him, heavily they tend to be pretty good um he ran 22 times for 122 yards in the big win over cincinnati but they they've not been able to rely on him to the same degree or they've been unwilling to kind of force the issue with him as they have in the past they drafted tajay spears um, a quicker running back out of tulane in the third round they want to get the ball in his hands some he's definitely the third down back Henry's never been the third down back, really. 
Um, and so when things aren't going well with Henry, um, he's playing less, he's getting the ball less, and I think they're having a harder time figuring out who they are offensively, and they don't score. They're averaging 17 and a half points again, just like they did last year. Um, and then defensively, they're really keyed around their front four, rushing the passer and, and creating everything from there. And they had two quarterback hits and, and one sack from a blitzing nickelback in Indianapolis. So Henry is the identity on offense and the pass rush is the identity on defense aren't really getting it done on a consistent basis right now. Paul, sticking with the, with the offense, DeAndre Hopkins was rumored to go to, what, how many teams we think this offseason, right? <laughs> Tennessee was one of them. Baltimore was another. Everybody thought they were in on him. He ultimately lands with the Titans. What are your impressions of him through five weeks at this point in his career? Yeah, he's been really steady. I mean, he's, he's not a deep threat, so to speak. Yeah, he's not a burner, and the Titans never seem to be able to find one of those, and, and they don't value it really. Uh, but he converts a lot of third downs. He had uh, 140 yards um, and was heavily targeted in this game, but not in the red zone. One, one red zone target, and it wasn't a Ryan Tannehill throw. It was a trick play uh, and a throw from Derrick Henry that was a touch long. They're having trouble in the red zone. They're traditionally a good red zone team under Mike Vrabel, and so I think they need to uh, – add on to what Hopkins has been able to do so far and try to throw the ball to him in the end zone or uh, in range of the end zone so that he can become part of, uh, of the scoring that's lacking so much. But he's been a big contribution, a uh, big contributor. And Traylon Burks, you know, who's supposed to be their other best wide receiver, who was the guy they drafted with the pick that they got in the, in the terrible A.J. Brown trade, um, has been largely invisible, and he's been out the last two games with a knee injury. I'm sure they're hoping he's back this week, but I think it'll take a little bit of a ramp up for him to get back to where they need him to be. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins sounds like what the Ravens were hoping to get in OBJ. We're only five weeks in, but they wanted that steady presence, the the veteran, the converter on third down, so... Uh, I'm sure some Ravens fans are a little bit jealous hearing about <laughs> how yeah. uh, steady DeAndre Hopkins is, is right now. But can you dive in a little bit more into the red zone offense? I mean, I was looking that up. The one thing up until this last week, the Ravens were number one in the red zone, and that's really what has been been great until they started dropping passes in the in the end zone. What what do the Titans need to do to fix it? They're, I think they're tied for 29th right now. Well, um, they got to include Hopkins for starters. That's one of the first things I'd say. Mm -hmm. They also really obsess on the on the one drive where things go wrong. So, so they were in the red zone four times in Indianapolis. Uh, Tajay Spears, who I mentioned, the other running back, had a 19-yard touchdown run. So that was their one touchdown. They have field goals the other three times. <clears throat> one time in there, Chigakonkwo, their second-year tight end, committed a uh, – offensive pass interference penalty got him into first and 20. So you ask them about what's not working in the red zone and they automatically start talking about first and 20, first and 20. Well, you're getting first and 20 and it, it, it you know, gives you big problems. It's hard to work from behind the sticks. Blah, blah, blah. They get obsessed with this, you know, and they don't talk at all about the other two series where they were in a normal first and 10 and couldn't find their way into the end zone. 
They just talk about the first and 20. They make it sound like they, they had three first and 20 series instead of one first and 20 series. They live in this constant fear of, of uh, the penalty that throws off a drive um, or taking a sack that throws off a drive. And these things happen to them, certainly, but they don't happen to them constantly. That, that uh, the way they talk about it, you would think that they start every drive in first and 15 or first and 20. Um, you know, play calling's a, a little suspect. Henry uh, hasn't run well down there. Um, and, and they're just not executing uh, as cleanly and as efficiently as they need to and as they have historically under Vrabel, as I mentioned. So they've got to do better. And they're also allowed to, uh, to hit something longer than 20 yards and make the red zone irrelevant once in a while. Um, they haven't done that either. They've hit their share of big plays this year, though uh, not so much last week. Are you at all suggesting that that Derek is slowing down at this point in his career, or is this just a usage thing from a play-calling standpoint? Where is he at at 29? Well, I failed to mention that the offensive line is bad. Um, they've got four new starters, um, and uh, their left guard, Aaron Brewer, from last year moved to center. Andre Dillard. Uh, who was on the bench in Philadelphia, was signed and is playing left tackle. He's had a really hard time. Peter Skaronsky, the 11th pick in the draft, is the left guard, and he missed three games after uh, having his appendix removed. And so uh, pass protection has been a real big issue, but run blocking certainly is part of that as well. Derek has not always looked like himself, but the bigger question with Derek is uh, – to me, his breakaway speed, last year we started to see him get caught from behind a few times. We haven't seen him this year break out that often to see uh, whether people are catching up to him. So, uh, you know, when he's run well, he's looked like the same guy. He hasn't had as many opportunities, and he's a volume back, you know. When he has 22, 24, 26 carries, tends to be pretty good they've had trouble getting him into situations to give him that number of carries, but he's certainly closer to the end than, than the beginning. He's 29. Um, he's making $10 million base salary this year and his contracts up. So this could very well be it for him here as they kind of anticipate the wall. Though he's got less wear and tear than most guys his age, because his first two years, he didn't get a lot of carries behind, uh, DeMarco Murray and misused with Deion Lewis. Um, so he's a little different than a lot of other guys. Paul, let's talk um, travel strategy a little bit. Um, the Ravens completely changed up their strategy of going out to London. There were reports from the last time uh, that guys were literally falling asleep on the bus ride over to the stadium and just for just in this major fog so the Ravens uh, changed it up. They went right after their loss to the Steelers on Monday. They travel over. Titans are waiting till Thursday night. Uh, what do you think of Coach Rabel's kind of strategy to wait that long? And do you think it's fine? What, what, do, what do you make of the two teams' different strategies? Well, Titans went in 2019, I believe, um, and lost to the Chargers. They had a chance to win it with a two-point conversion at the end of the game and failed to convert. And that was at Wembley. And what they did is they left Thursday right after practice. Um, 
and they felt that that went well outside of the two-point conversion. And so they're doing that again. And Vrabel said earlier this week, you know, uh, uh, they they were satisfied with it. Uh, they want to do everything the same except except score on the two-point conversion this time around. I'm surprised by it. I mean, I'm no primo athlete as a 54-year-old uh, who was a wannabe soccer and baseball player. <laughs> I had a hard time. I went to get there Friday I was with my family last time around and we did a little uh, Paris swing after London. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm being different this time. I got up at five o'clock in the morning today. I'm getting up at four o'clock in the morning tomorrow. Wow. I'm leaving tomorrow night to try to get on a little bit more of a London schedule, Should but I, I, am, I am surprised. <laughs> yeah. I would get up. Uh, if you're leaving tomorrow afternoon or evening, get up as early as you can. I missed my um, boat. I'm out tonight. I guess I'm screwed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it'll, it'll be hard, but you'll make it. So I, I, I would think it's more beneficial to go earlier and get uh, acclimatized. But, you know, I buy what Vrabel's saying. And if they didn't have problems, they didn't have problems. I would be the guy in the bus asleep for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Five-hour time difference, 9.30 Eastern kickoff come up, coming up on Sunday. So plan accordingly. But, Paul... This has been a, a, a pretty heated rivalry over the last couple of years, whether it was the playoff exit, right, in 2019 after the 14-2 and two campaign. Tennessee comes in to Baltimore's house on a balmy day in January, shuts them down. You have, what, the 2020 playoff where Marcus Peters, uh, inter the interception, the logo dancing. But before that game, we all know what took place. And then I think they met in the regular season earlier that year as well. So there is some bad blood. We know that Harbs and Vrabel have exchanged words at times. Any? Do you think any of that – obviously, there's so much turnover every single year in the NFL. Are you sensing that any animosity, I guess is the right word, is lingering entering London? Titans are 45% new. So I think it's much more a fan base thing. I mean, in Nashville, yeah. if they could go back in time, you know, 2000 was maybe the single worst loss for this team. They went to the Super Bowl in 1999. The 2000 team was better. Uh, and the Ravens came here and, and took that game away from the Titans. It was devastating for the city. And people remember that. And then there was a repeat of that. And what uh, I'm, I'm going to misremember the year a very similar scenario where the Titans were in really good shape in the playoffs and the Ravens came here and, and, and played a similar style, ugly defensive game, twisted Chris, uh, Chris Johnson's ankle in a pile. Algie Crumpler had a terrible fumble. Um, so more bad results than good for the Titans against the Ravens uh, in the playoffs. I think most Titans fans, while they hate the Colts, really dislike the Ravens more because the consequences <laughs> have been bigger. Um, and so I think from a fan perspective, there's a lot, a lot, a lot um, of, of bitterness about the Ravens. I think from the player perspective, um, I, I tend to believe when they, they talk about it not being that different, that they always expect a very physical game. And I do think that uh, – that Vrabel and Harbaugh probably aren't looking to sit next to each other at dinner at the AFC coaches uh, get together. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. 
And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No Christmas card exchanges, nothing like that. I will say after that that playoff uh, loss for the the Titans and the win for the Ravens, that was the first time I really saw Lamar Jackson. He's usually pretty cool and collected. He wanted to get off that field. He didn't want to shake hands. I was like, oh, okay, okay, Lamar. So, uh, yeah, that is that is interesting. But like you said, a lot of a lot of new players in this in this rivalry. Paul, what what do you say? What's like one matchup you're going to be watching this Sunday in London? Well, off the top of my head, I'd say <clears throat> the Colts um, really did a good job. Uh, the Titans were without Tierra Tart, who has a toe injury um, as a defensive tackle slash nose, nose tackle, um, big run stuffer. But if the Colts, uh, if the Ravens, excuse me, can run up the middle some the way the Colts did, uh, at Jack Gibbons and Al Shair, Aziz Al Shair, the two inside linebackers before that those two had been kept relatively clean by the defensive tackles. And if they're clean, they could be very efficient, but if Baltimore can create a scenario where they get men onto those two middle linebackers, that's a problem because they're fast, smaller guys. Um, well, I'll show you is a fast, smaller guy. Gibbons is uh, plays on smarts and positioning. Uh, if they have to deal with a lot of physicality, it changes the game. Um, and the Titans are built also uh, on the defensive side. I'm sorry, uh, are built offensive line-wise to ha handle stuff up the middle better than on the edge. So if the Ravens can rush from the edge, that's going to present problems. They have to help like crazy. Um, so th those are the things I'll be looking at. Okay. Now, I know it's a little bit early here. We're taping this on a Wednesday, but uh, are you willing to go out on a limb and provide us a score prediction? 
I am not. I hate making <laughs> predictions on Titans games because I then end up rooting for my prediction, yeah. which ruins my ability to comfortably report and uh, and watch the game. And so I also I can't pretend to have any feeling for what's going to happen in this game based on how up and down the Titans have been. Though, if you follow their trend, it's been loss, win, loss, win, loss. So they should win. But also, like I said, I don't think they're going to feel like they're playing a home game by any means. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. What about, we'll finish here. What's got to go right for Tennessee in order to pull off this upset? Henry's got to run. Henry's got to run and, uh, and they got to contain uh, Lamar, which are pretty basic script, I would guess, for a lot of teams against the Ravens. But they've got to establish Henry in a way that they've only been able to do once this season um, against the Bengals. Uh, and I'd go so far as to say they need to, to force it um, in a way that maybe makes them uncomfortable right now. But uh, they've got to get back to their identity in, in some way, shape, or form. Paul Kaharski NFL on Twitter, paulkaharski.com on the site. Paul, best of travels over to uh, London. Hope to see you over there, and thanks so much for your time today. You too. Safe travels, and I appreciate both of you having me. Take care. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, Paul. Paul Kaharski for the Tennessee perspective partner. What do you think? Uh, there are uh, – well uh, – there are a lot of similarities in that, like they gave away games and both these, both these teams are coming off losses that they feel like they should have won. And it's within the division. They, like he said, they hate the Colts, although apparently they hate, you know, the fans hate the Ravens more and that's just fine. Cause I don't think there's a whole lot of, you know, flowery feelings in the Ravens fan base for, for the Titans. Um, but, but he kind of made I kind of feel the same way. It's so hard to predict this one because these teams are inconsistent. So when he talks about an identity crisis, some people have been saying that's happening in Baltimore on offense. Obviously, I feel like the defense knows who they are. Um, I don't think there's an identity crisis. I know the Ravens are just are still a run first physical offense, but want to marry um, the passing game to it. By the way, in our next vault, Bobby, I got to bring this in. I watched, I don't know why I stayed up so late last night, but I watched uh, the quarterback school. Is that what it's called? The quarterback oh, school? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, a lot of overlap of what we've already discussed, but I pulled probably three or four times. I'm going to put them all together that he was so happy. He kept saying, look at this modern ish passing attack and he's like this is so refreshing i'm not used to seeing this within the ravens so I'll, I'll bring that in so yeah this one's tough to predict because these teams are still finding their footing even though even though i feel like the ravens have an identity i think that they're still finding their footing obviously so um it is interesting but not surprising derrick henry slowing down i mean that is their offense that makes a lot of sense that he is saying there's identity crisis because derrick henry the last five, six, seven years, he, in my mind, represents the Titans, right? Just like Lamar represents it for the Ravens. And so the fact that it sounds like he might be slowing down, maybe it's the offensive line, like he said. So, but that to me is like, I have, I feel like, you know, if there isn't crazy body clock issues going on, I feel like the Ravens should be able to contain him. And so, you know, where else is their offense going to come from? So, but I, I said this last week, though, I felt like the Ravens would have more offense than the Steelers, and they absolutely did. But they fell apart and let, you know, the Steelers defense kind of take over. So 
um, yeah, this is a game that's just like, who's going to get it together for week? What are we, six, did we say? Week six. Yep, yep week six. And by the way, the QB school is operated by a former NFL quarterback who we've talked about before in JT O'Sullivan. And he is so really, good. really talented from an, anal- you know, an analyst standpoint and just explaining things in layman terms. So I've seen that retweeted a couple times now. So I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of implementing that based on your clips into the next vault. But I wanted to focus on DeAndre Hopkins a little bit because through mm. five early weeks, and again, the Ravens were, were rumored to not only be interested in him perhaps this past offseason, but in years past as well. Tennessee's getting good production out of him right now. You might remember he signed a two-year deal. It was $26 million with Tennessee leading up to this, this season. It's worth up to $32 million with incentives. And while we can't make any judgments just yet, I don't. I hate to do it like after a five-game sample, but right now you'd rather have D-Hop through five weeks, right? Bottom line is that's the case just based on the unavailability that OBJ has come with so far through the first month. Some of it might be precautionary, like he mentioned to reporters leading up to his return last week, right? But it has been disappointing, and I know a lot of fans feel the same way. So Ravens are going to have to deal with a guy who, yes, is on the other side of 30 in D-Hop, if I'm not mistaken, or right around it. Uh, they're, they're, he's, he's still a threat at this point. What is he? Let's see. 31. He turns 32 next summer. So uh, that's, that's a little bit of a disappointment so far. But again, you, you hate to make a judgment so soon into the season. He has got 26 receptions. To put that in perspective, Zay Flowers has 29. Zay Flowers leads all NFL rookies with 29. And he uh, leads any Ravens rookie through the first five games. So just we've thought about how often Zay Flowers gets targeted. I know Ravens fans have a feel for that. He's at 29, so just three more. So DeAndre Hopkins has 26 for 356 yards. Um, OBJ, I'll look up his numbers, but we know it's nowhere close because he's been injured. But to your point, yes, through five weeks, you love the the um, production from um, – DeAndre Hopkins over Odell. But as you said, this is, you know, a long season. If it ends up, and I'm not wishing this upon anybody, but if it so happened that, say, DeAndre Hopkins got injured at the end of the season and OBJ came alive, then, you know, the the story could change, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, through, through five weeks, OBJ is seven receptions <laughs> to the to the 26 of DeAndre Hopkins for 79 yards. He has zero touchdowns. Hopkins also has zero touchdowns. So, um but like Paul had said, DeAndre's doing like what you wanted from OBJ and again there's still time, but like really converting on third down. To me it's always been it's been less about volume for me with OBJ and more about coming up in big moments, which absolutely did not happen when they tried to target OBJ in the end zone that ended up as an interception. So uh, lots of things that went down, went wrong there. Um, but, you know, let's hope that OBJ can stay healthy and start stringing some things together and get chemistry with Lamar. He's only played in three of the five games, too. And as we saw in yeah. Pittsburgh, he barely even after that first catch against the Steelers, he was gone now. There's been reports, by the way, I I was doing a live stream with Spencer on Monday and we were trying to figure out the reason why Odell left the game and and a commenter essentially put in the live chat that it was an equipment malfunction. I think there's a report out there that it was he went to get an IV 
in the locker room, if I'm not mistaken. There was a national report about that. So mm. it was it doesn't look like it was an equipment malfunction. But any nonetheless, he was barely available, obviously, on Sunday in Pittsburgh. Wanted well, whether sure. it's one or the other, neither is an injury. Neither unless is an injury. Unless there's like a third unless there's like a third report, but you know. Ne- he seemed neither to be is fine. An injury. Mm-hmm. Neither is an injury, but it did lead to unavailability. Yeah. Want to shout out and thank two of our returning patrons. These guys are supporting everything we do here inside the vault through Patreon this month. Stephen Dents, Jason Zarotniak, we appreciate both of you for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. And if you're interested in doing the same, especially if you're a small business owner, which a lot of folks have been chiming into in the last few weeks, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast to learn more about what we're offering. And you can find more on that in the show notes below before we jump, Sarah, and we're going to have a full morning vault, obviously coming up on Thursday, full transparency. We're taping this at 1030 in the morning on Wednesday, Eastern standard time. I am hitting the road for London. Uh, what later tonight around nine o'clock or so at, at tonight at night. And so we'll be squeezing in Thursday's morning vault before then. But there are a couple practice notes that I just wanted to mention that we'll dive into more on the vault later on in our recording. But Jeff Zarebek and all of the beat staff are already on the ground in London. And so here are a few things that are relevant. Morgan Moses and Patrick McCary were both practicing for the Ravens, which is a huge, that is a huge deal. Morgan missed last week. Ended his streak of 100-plus games dating all the way back to 134 to be exact, dating all the way back to 2014, and he missed that, which meant Pat McCary was thrust into starting position at right tackle. Then he left the game, and we all know what happened when Daniel Falele went into the game. So those two guys practiced on Wednesday. Jeff Zarebek said that Adafe Owe, who's missed a chunk of games now with the ankle, and Jadavian Clowney, both were not seen practicing, so that's relevant just in terms of obviously what Derrick Henry presents any team challenge-wise. And more on Jeff here. Let's see. Yeah, so McCary was dressed. No Clowney, no OA. Geno Stone was working out with a trainer but was being held out of practice at the safety position. Tylen Wallace and Pepe Williams, both of whom are on injured reserve, were running around on this 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 field in London, and then Tyus Bowser, who remains on the NFI list, was again working out but still has not been activated. All of these reports are from Jesse Rebeck. Uh, David Ajabo, he watched practice from the sideline, still on IR, and again, Pepe Williams and, and Tylen Wallace still remain on IR, and they are running on an adjacent field. So uh, the, big, the biggest note there is the offensive lineman, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, <clears throat> that's huge. I mean – uh, we we ran the stat in the uh, Wednesday morning vault, the yards per play that the Ravens had uh, when McCary was playing, and then when it when he went down, there was like a, I can't remember something like a four yard difference, <laughs> you know what I mean per play, which is significant. So uh, I just felt like the the Ravens offense in the fourth quarter just completely uh, melted down. Um, Prior to that, obviously there were meltdowns in catching, but the but the offense was was certainly moving the ball. So um, to have Patrick McCarry and or Morgan Moses, um, uh, be nice to have both because who knows what kind of injuries could pop up again. Uh, 
And then on the other side, it's nice that these two are going to be back, but um, Ronnie Stanley's certainly going to want to have a better day than the nine pressures that he gave up. But again, it's just like, can he slowly get back into game shape? He hasn't practiced much, hasn't played much. So we'll see there. That does make me nervous though. And we'll see what Clowney is on the injury report. Um, but the Ravens have already had enough injuries at that outside linebacker position. They certainly don't want another. That's why they've had to go out and get, you know, veterans already. Yeah. One thing I want to be on the lookout for this week as well is just Marcus Williams overall status and health. Mm. There's been some well-documented content online about how it really seemed like he was playing with one arm on Sunday in Pittsburgh. So we had that brace. Yeah, he, he's been really banged up since the start, which is unfortunate because when the Ravens don't have him available, they don't have their ball hawk. And I know Geno Stone's got a couple interceptions so far, but it's just a different type of player when Marcus and is he's out not, there. And he's not practicing. He's and on he's the adjacent field. <laughs> yeah. He's not even practicing. But I mean, but, it's a sign that he's on the adjacent field that he's close, but still he's not. doesn't sound like he's practicing. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, just the secondary – and by the way, there's nothing to complain about defensively, obviously, through the first month of the season. But Marcus, we know, is the ball hawk. And when he's not available, there, there's a missing element to what the secondary could be functioning in terms of takeaways and overall ball hawking abilities. So those are a few notes that I wanted to discuss. In Bobby, this one. Bobby, real else? quick. So so did you did you see anybody say Marcus Williams is not practicing? No, I just – it was just on my mind, something okay. that I wanted to mention coming off the weekend, which we didn't discuss a lot of. Yeah, yeah. No, we didn't. We probably should have. I just, yeah, just in this morning, we finally got around the defense. There was so much about, you know, the offense and people, you know, going after Lamar and all that. Um, but that's that's interesting that Marcus Williams isn't so from from reports so far. We'll see how the day goes out in the injury report. But the fact that he's still out there is interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like there was. It, he definitely seemed hampered. So we'll see what goes on from here. You just get the sense the guy's gutting it out. He already made a decision based on essentially what what feels like ignoring a surgery or a procedure until the offseason, right, with the pectoral thing. I'm just basing that off of what John Harbaugh said earlier in the year about the decision that Marcus has to make. And so now the show, what is it, the show, what is it, shoulder or arm? I mean, the guy is just banged the heck up. So yeah, it's brutal. Brutal, it it kind of makes me nervous, like with, with how Marcus Williams is feeling. I know he's gotten it through, but it just kind of feels like any play at any moment could like, you know, Finish end his season. Year. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, so um, yeah, yeah. If he's out there, you know, the Titans with DeAndre Hopkins, you know, or whoever else might want to attack him just to test test that that chest injury. Yep. We'd love to hear from you via email, feedback-wise. We haven't asked uh, asked about this for a while. So whether it's negative, positive, anywhere in the middle, we'd love to hear from you. BaltimoreRavensVault.gmail.com. Over in the audio-only space as well, we could really use a boost on, on some ratings and reviews. So whether it's Apple, Spotify, or whatever you do in the audio-only space, if you could take a minute or two while watching this to go over there and, and leave us a, a rating, leave us a review, would be super helpful on the back end of what we're doing distribution wise. So that is that join the Patreon vault community. If you haven't already done so, if you're interested in supporting us on the back end, you can find all that information in the show notes below. We will have a Thursday morning vault for you coming up. Huge. Thanks to Paul Kaharski. If you want the Tennessee perspective, 
over the next couple days. He is really good. You can find him on Twitter at Paul Kaharski NFL. You can also go to paulkaharski.com if you want to kind of get uh, spruced up and whatnot on the Tennessee Titans here in 2023. So for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this official game preview. It's week six. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm fired up for this one. This is going to look and feel a little different. It's time to get over to Europe. So we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.